0: We're back. It's Friday. It's Splash Play, which means we continue to recap
1: Playmakers, one of the most insane shows I've ever watched. And Spags, you won a GPP. I did indeed. I shared it with two of my best friends out there in the DFS world, two guys who I don't know, but apparently also have awesome old avatars. But at least really excited to talk about that. Excited for some good news in the world of LaVisca Chenault that we I just saw this morning and, and Pete's uh, fantasy life newsletter. That a uh, great piece of content as well. And then yes, playmakers, a depressing run through the NFL that continues to get sadder by the week. So let's hit that intro and talk all about it. <music> everyone welcome to another edition of splash play the football podcast for every game under the sun we are here once more to talk about everything else in the world the playmakers everything in the world the nfl that's come up since memorial day and of course i guess you have to talk about me a little bit today because i am chris spags a man who luck boxed his way into a gpp last week and i'm here with my newly unemployed pal peter Overzet. actually pete i spent some time watching some content of yours this week you and davis matic breaking down your your run into self-employment slash unemployment i felt like was one of the better watches i saw uh real quick spags i feel like something happened to your mic between the cold open and now it uh how about now there we go okay the usb is like falling out a little bit so that's my bad but um i was trying to give you praise pete for your interview (laughs) with davis matic was what i was trying to do of course and the audio going down it's all part of my big ploy to mess with your head Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Big, big
0: week. You know, you are earning salaries while playing uh, <laughs> DFS while I am giving away my salaries and uh, trying to cobble it together uh, doing content. So yeah, it's, uh, it's been a good week. I definitely appreciate uh, all the nice comments from people. It's, it's nice to get that wind in your sails when people say, yes, you're headed in the right direction. Keep doing what you're doing.
1: And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it'll be a, it'll be an interesting experiment. I think we got some fun stuff to hit on today. Of course, we are going to talk about uh, some of the NFL headlines going on, but I guess first Pete, I'll throw the floor to you, or I guess I don't even know how to this because it's weird to talk about it. And, uh, winning a GPP, like winning any sort of money here. And it's funny because like, there's obviously a lot of people who show a lot of love people who've watched the Osmo shows who watch this show, you know, sending tweets in our, in the, the deposit kingdom discord, people being really nice about it there too. And it's super nice to see, but the weird thing, Pete, I will tell you, and I'm sure maybe you saw it during the NFL season when you're running hot with some of your, some of your decent wins on there. I feel like that's something that, you start to then get the haters who are like oh you're you were just lucky to hit that or oh like and then there are people like who were there's one guy on the osmo stream on like our mm-hmm. wednesday morning stream which mlb not doing as many views these days in general just because the nba is still going on a lot of stuff and the sports a little bit cold i guess and there's some guy who chimed in like oh spags sucks and he's used the 50k to fix his teeth and i'm like jesus <laughs> <Christ>. <laughs> what <the hell>? like, <laughs> like i know like look i had braces as a kid i know they didn't like they didn't get everything done but like you know it's it's just like wow like the hate that comes back too so it just sort of. of an interesting thing like i'm pretty mellow about it obviously as you're going to be when you you take down 53k and it's for me too just like sort of gratifying to just like push you know to push that boulder uphill for so long and finally take one down but it is a weird thing where it's like wow like you get all the love and then you definitely get the sort of toxic hate that you'd expect from the internet it it
0: is honest like i will never understand that concept of not being happy uh for people (laughs) when they win especially because people who play dfs and specifically play tournaments know how hard it is to win. Like if you're a tournament player, you are trying to win one of these once a year to like support playing the rest of the year. And it is like, I I don't know. I feel if anyone else is a GPP player, you're like, you did it. Like that is what we all need to make this sustainable as playing. So yeah, I'm sorry that you had to deal with uh, people telling you you needed to, uh, you know, whatever. I need, I need adult
1: braces. Apparently, yeah. I need to get some, If we got to see an Invisalign sponsor, I'll take that too. If that's where we are in the world, but no, it's just it's one of those things where, like, I, at this point, I've been and same thing with UP. We've been doing internet content for so long collectively amongst ourselves that it's like, you know, you're just used to seeing whatever. Here, people are going to throw the gaslers. We're going to do the sort of personal attacks. Nobody cares as much about a man's appearance on an online stream as another man in a YouTube chat or another or a Twitch chat or whatever it may be. Uh, but I do think it's one of those things for me where it's still more. Popular of the not obviously and um and I guess to me the main takeaway is peter that just that There's a lot smarter ways to play GPPs than what I've been doing for the last (laughs) three years, I guess, Uh, because the way that I won this one was just me kind of changing my process around. Literally within the last week, I did something different that Wednesday and then won that Friday. And I think too, kind of benefited from it being a holiday weekend and all that. But um, yeah, I just feel like it does feel like it's sort of you do all these shows and you want to be smart enough to help people out. And I think you can sort of be a teacher or a coach even if you don't have the massive like success that just. And good luck, really, to win one of those kind of tournaments. But definitely feels like a credibility builder in a way that I definitely didn't have before. So, I mean, the, the big question is,
0: uh, you know, what, what are we doing with this money? Are you pulling some off the table? Are you moving up in stakes? Uh, you know, what, how are you playing this out?
1: So I took uh, 40K of it out, was planning on rolling with the 15K I had left in the account, or with the 15K that I was left from that, a situation plus whatever else I had left in the account. And um, that's the way I'm playing it. This week has been kind of up and down. I've been maxing out uh, the NBA GPPs every day, and had two days where I lost like a grand to two grand, and you know, I'm I'm more zen about that than I think I would be, certainly normally, but in general because you sort of understand, like, hey, here's the mm-hmm. bank role I'm going with. I still have more to kind of tap into. But I've had two nights of profitability, two nights of getting sort of killed. Last night, I would one outright if Chris Paul were not uh, a decrepit piece of shit that we talk about. Uh, we talk about ageism a lot on this show, but um, in the NBA, ageism, I think, more prevalent than ever with that game yesterday where he just did not have it, the shoulders all banged up and all that. But, you know, like it's been, I'm going to keep doing it. I think showdowns get a little bit tougher. I think I'm going to do the, the big tournament for the showdown today. And I know with those, like people have chopped up first place in those and still ended up losing money on the night. So that's where I am with it. But yeah, my thing is, I would like to continue to play GPPs. And I'm also greatly, you know, concerned generally was just like the field's so sharp you're competing against guys like Osimo, like uh, some of the other guys in the osmo founding team like brick out there like the guys who we know have been doing this for so long and i think that to me is the scary part that there's really only like 30 guys 150 max on a given night which is something i just didn't know either that you're basically just competing against these guys and yeah like some of the other outlier lineups can win like mine did where i had seven lineups in that tournament that won on friday but like you know for 150 maxers, you are just competing against a smaller field than i guess i had personally realized
0: yeah. And I mean, the other thing you're mentioning, the kind of the psychological thing of getting that bank it, I, it, it helps your play in a lot of ways, assuming you have good bankroll management, because we talked about that last year on tilt space, like we had our big bank in week four or five, and it allowed us to play aggressive still. And I was thinking about it in the reverse. If we don't get that win until week 16, you start to you know tighten up and you're not being as aggressive making the most optimal tournament plays because you're like, I'm sick of losing and it naturally, I think, pushes you towards safer plays, which isn't what you want necessarily in GPP. So I'm excited for your, your GPP flag to uh to fly now that you got a little uh, cushion there
1: yeah, no, I am hoping I can sort of make it into more. I think that's obviously the goal. And I think also, you know, with DFS, we've been doing this stuff long enough too to know that there's, it's a world of infinite outcomes and all that. And I think that's part that I'm also emotionally prepared for that, you know, some nights, uh, you know, Derek Rose was a guy I had a lot of in the, the Knicks elimination game and, and he was just hurt and banged up. But really, I guess my issue might just be relying on these older guards that have uh, cobwebs for their joints at this point in the world. But um, I think really for me, that's sort of the thing that uh, playing aggressive, a good move. And, and I think too, you know, trying to push your chips in on plays you believe even not to hundred percent levels. That's another thing I always fucked up historically too, but you know, getting 70% of a guy getting 66% of a guy, just sort of being a little more willing to take those stands, but aren't really necessarily going to be day breaking stands. I think was my big lesson there, but you know, happy if anybody out there is trying to get better at it, you know, feel free to shoot me a tweet or a DM or whatever on Twitter. And all. I'm happy to give some questions. Obviously I don't know as much as some of the other people out there, but as somebody for me, I think, I hope it sort of inspires people in some way. And not that I like this to me really sucking my own dick here. Really hope it's an inspirational story for everybody out there, but like to see, you know, like I'm doing these shows, I'm grinding. It's tough doing shows and tough trying to get lineups out at the same time and, and make them good and also improve your process when you're putting out as much content as some of the people out there in the industry are. But I think, you know, if you grind at it and you just try to figure out how the sports work and think about the data more and think about the overall approach that there's only a certain amount of touches to go around in basketball, certain amount of plays in football, all that kind of stuff. I think you'll get better results, but it definitely does I feel like it is a lot of time just kind of banging your head against the wall, wondering why things don't work. Yeah, I mean GPPs
0: just from a, a mental and psychological standpoint can really can really mess with you because even the best players can go months uh without winning. And I know that is it's not the healthiest
1: thing. No, no, I know I've seen the, the depression stories of like the condias of the world have talked about that. And I think certainly inspirational and I do agree, yeah, I agree. Like if you're gonna do that, you know, A have the bankroll, A, uh, A have the bankroll, B have the sort of you know, mental headspace to be able to sustain losses and to be able to uh dust yourself off and get back out there and and then you know just just really being smart about it as best you can because it is at the end of the day, you're competing against some of the sharpest people in the world who know sports or at least know the data behind sports as well as anybody out there. So that would be my my key thing there and um, yeah uh, anything else feel free to hit me up on Twitter you guys at Chris bags and I'll, I'm happy to talk about it more but I just don't want to um, do this the grandiose uh, hey here's my thoughts the inside the DFS player studio on the show uh, for any more so let's talk some NFL headlines that will hit playmakers and guys if you have not yet follow at splash play pod we sometimes move the shows around a little bit for scheduling or just for trying to get the shows out at better times if we're doing something like a power hour but either way you'll always know whenever we're gonna do content at splash play pod on Twitter and then follow us on Instagram too if you are a person who wants to see whenever new episodes are out putting that on there too and we'll get some more clips in the mix I'm sure in the coming weeks but some headlines real fast and I do want to talk about the Visca and Jaguar stuff because I thought that was interesting but uh, there was some news about Aaron Rodgers this week Pete that uh, the the Packers moving the cap around in a way that does seem like they're just going to clear room to keep Rodgers on the team rather than cut him in whatever uh, June post designation cut that they can do to save some money so I guess Rodgers will be a Packer and then we're just going to drag this out to the offseason but I don't know if you have any thoughts about it but it just seems like one of those things that's now been down Downgraded to like a subplot that we're just gonna find out over the course of the next few months.
0: Yeah, I it always seemed like it was more uh smoke than fire, uh, with this stuff. I don't is that a phrase? Did I just make up the phrase more smoke than fire? Could you have smoke without fire? Just scratch that. But I like point, it. I think it worked. More smoke than fire. Maybe I kind of <laughs> actually like it too. Um, yeah, I, I never really bought it. It just always seemed like the most likely outcome was him staying in Green Bay. Uh, you know, it's just, the narrative was really pushing in that direction. Like people love this thought of the quarterback who's upset with the GM and he's doing all his jeopardy. And it just seemed like, oh, he's going to force his way out. But ultimately, uh, it's not as easy as that. And, uh, and he will be coming back to green Bay. So, uh, I think, I think that's the, the right choice for all parties involved And you know, I, it's still just crazy to me that green Bay hasn't. Tried to make any kind of peace offerings to him, you know, either behind closed doors or drafting more weapons for him just as a way to patch this together, because it still seems like they're going to go into this season with tensions between the front office between Aaron Rodgers. And it just doesn't seem like that's a, a positive work environment, Chris.
1: Did you see some of those tweets, by the way, about the Packers like practice that they've had where Jordan Love like somehow was a media guy and I guess there was an open media session and they were like Jordan Love was like six for 18 with two picks, and, like one fumble. It's like, well, how is he doing this in practice? First of all, but two picks I could see, but like a fumble, but like really does seem like there's a lot of winds blowing like where, boy, they are going to quickly realize that uh, whatever they need to do for Aaron Rodgers, I guess, other than be nice to him and give him consultation on uh, some of their roster moves. But it does seem like they're not quite ready to transition away from him yet.
0: Yeah. And I, it's also, yeah, I think that's a good point. If they felt better about Jordan love, maybe they would be kind of pushing him out the door, but yeah, based on everything we've kind of heard and seen and their, you know, lack of interest in using him makes it seem like the team really isn't sold on Jordan love being their, their future there.
1: We got some other news, and I think uh, always people in the offseason dying to talk about the Jaguars. Urban Meyer, uh, this is a headline that was on ESPN. Uh, Jags coach Urban Meyer challenged his wide receiver DJ Chark to be quote-unquote big and strong. He says, I just didn't like his size, his strength. I just thought way, way below average, way below what we expect from our receivers. And he was told that, Meyer said. He's a big guy that played little last year, and that can't happen. Guys like Mike Thomas and Lewis Murphy are these big, strong, fast receivers. He's got to play big and strong. And then here's a follow-up that I saw today. Pete, in the Fantasy Life newsletter that people can get for themselves and should get for themselves, because I think you've actually turned that to a really fun piece of content whenever it comes out, Pete. But here's the, the quote from Pete, and another subquote as well. Oh, baby, if you read the newsletter, if you read this newsletter last year, you know I'm a big LaVisca Chenault stand. Quotes like these from Jags beat writer John Shipley aren't helping to reel in my enthusiasm. Chenault especially stood out. He caught everything thrown his way. He looked quick in and out of his breaks. Chenault's always looked like one of the most athletic players in the field. Due to his blend of size, power, and explosiveness, that was again the case on Thursday. And Pete, you have been Ribbed for your Chenault takes on this show. I think in the industry too, I still see tweets sometimes talking about Visca. People be, people are down on him, and they have to tag you or it's a subtweet. <laughs> and it does seem though, if DJ Chark playing small and and LaVisca playing big and strong, maybe there is a pathway for Visca to not completely be rendered useless in this offense.
0: Yeah, I mean, what, now like just even hearing you kind of set that all up and just pulling back a little bit, just realizing what a mess all of the discourse and chatter is out of Jacksonville. Like we first had. Um, Urban Meyer saying he wanted to draft Kadarius Toney. And then all the list Chenault guys were like, wait, why would you do that? Kadarius Tony has a somewhat overlapping skill set with Chennault. Then there's the stuff about using ETN in the slot. Then they bring in Marvin Jones in free agency, which is concerning for DJ Chark, especially when they're saying quotes about him playing small last year and Marvin Jones plays the same position and plays pretty big. Uh, so there's just been so many comments and stuff here. I feel like this is the like Charlie day, you know, it's always sunny in Philadelphia corkboard gif of like trying to figure out how touches and and targets are going to be distributed in Jacksonville this year. But yeah, I do ultimately think um, that Visca's set being the most versatile of all of those players um, is going to bode well for him. And I think that I think they are going to be uh, lots of ways for him to get involved And I'm, I'm hoping that it is more as the traditional wide receiver. I don't want him to get pigeonholed in that gadget role. I'd kind of rather them have ETN do some of more of the gadget stuff, almost like a CJ Spiller back in the day, and then just let
1: LaVisca be in all the wide receiver sets. Yeah, I think there's certainly some room for him to get there, and I think too part of it that is something that happens a lot in the NFL where, and really in all the sports where a new regime comes in and then all of a sudden the guys, even if it is guys who had draft capital invested in them by the old regime, like they don't matter quite as much, and DJ Chark is one of those guys who obviously Chenault is too, but but still Chenault, like if he's outplaying Chark every day or if Chenault just looks better in practice, Urban Meyer's is probably going to gravitate more towards him, even though, like, I do think Visca, I think he was in a bad spot last year. They just didn't give him enough targets, enough opportunity to kind of do what he was doing pretty well. But do you think Chark's also pretty good? One of those angular guys who gets open downfield, seems like kind of an Allen Robinson type, maybe even a, a Gallaudet type, somewhere in that range where not quite a world beater, but good enough to get contested catches and all that. Uh, but I do think if he's not bringing it in the offseason here, like there's a chance for him to lose routes, a chance for him to sort of get his role cut into with both Jones and Visca looking good, or Jones, you know, having the the track record and Visca looking good. So I think there's some risk here, but I think uh, this is the most live. I feel like Visca has seemed to me in this off season where I was really worried he would kind of get the short shrift because Chark is that sort of prototypical guy. But if they think he's playing small and, and Visca's out there doing the, the grinder type stuff, if he's out there out working Tim Tebow, like there's a pathway here for him to be a stud player.
0: Yeah. And I think ultimately too, I think all if, if Trevor Lawrence is really good out of the gate, which I think is possible, uh, I still think that Marvin Jones, Visca, and Sharp can all have solid years. Obviously, not all of them are going to be able to like crush their ADP. But the main thing is, if you're not giving those touches to the Marquise Lee and Keelan Coles and of the world like they were in previous years, uh, notice how I'm not going to mention my friend Chris Conley and that group, uh, then I think there's room for all of those guys to to put up nice fantasy seasons because they are going to be in negative game scripts. They are going to be passing a ton because I don't think they're
1: going to be a great team. And
0: uh yeah, I think, I think those guys can all be useful contributors.
1: Yeah. And a competent guy throwing the ball too. I think for whatever you could say about Trevor Lawrence, maybe not having the same fantasy upside as some of the other QBs in the draft. Like he's going to get the ball where it needs to go. He's going to make the right reads for the most part. He's going to be a little bit mobile, but not too mobile to hurt the overall opportunity for the offense. So uh, yeah, I think it's an interesting team to watch. And certainly one we'll be talking a lot about here, as we fill some time here uh, throughout the whole summer, but it's that time of the week guys, where we have to talk ESPN playmakers episode four. Uh, so hit that like button if you can. And of course, subscribe to the channel. And if you are new to our playmakers journey, uh, we've also put together a playlist on the splash play YouTube channel, uh, which has them all lined up there. So you should have to skip to the episode start time, but I want to make sure there's a way for people to, to track us on this journey here. And it is quite the journey with the choice part two this week, episode four, where I don't, I don't know if you caught this in the intro, Pete, because it was sort of like subliminal messaging. Almost, they are back at the club, yes. and then they write the words "girls." boys club flashing on the screen like we're being programmed and that I know they do some weird things in the intro Pete but that was weird even by the standards we've had thus far for playmakers you know what I have to admit I uh, I did not
0: catch that girls boys thing I had already started taking a note uh, about how hilarious it was that we're immediately opening up in the club again and apparently the entire team is at the club yep. as well like the same club uh, nice team bonding there but yeah I, I missed that man I wasn't as, as dialed in
1: yeah it was it was really odd and it definitely flashed like it was subliminal just one second of it do and i was like what is what is is this the weird youtube channel that's also that we have to talk about where uh pete and i've been watching the shows and i think we put it in the deposit kingdom discord as well uh the uh the link that we're using which is not the watermarked one and has basically all the episodes in one like eight hour long clip or whatever and um in that one it's this youtube channel if you click on it it's like this channel that has (laughs) um a guy who's dressed like a pick like a traditional pickup artist the you guys remember that old vh1 show or just that that trope for a while where he's wearing a very garish outfit he's talking to another guy who's on like a twitch style smaller screen but the the setup itself is like some weird like red colored matrix design thing and and the guy just talks weird and it is one of the pete i know i know i just sent it to you right before the show so you probably didn't get a lot of time to look and i didn't i didn't need to spend a lot of time looking but one of the weirdest youtube channels i've ever seen that actually had pretty decent engagement
0: Yeah, it was uh, very, very bizarre. There are those corners of the internet where people, they were able to like get away with probably uploading something like this that they don't have the copyright for. And then they like carve out a YouTube channel around that uh, and create other content. But yes, I I would recommend for our diehards who have been watching via that link to go poke around on
1: that YouTube channel for some truly bizarre streams. Yeah, it's uh, definitely the Von Allen sports team. Shout out to them. That's one thing. But I was like, is this maybe a crossover with that channel because of the weird way they edit the videos? I don't know. But no, it is, in fact, uh playmakers part of the, the approach there to get us thinking about girls, boys in the club. And then we open to the offensive lineman who is now back in full DH mode. And I, I'm i starting to think that for him, whether he's mad at DH in a given week, whether he's friends at DH, it's all going to be symptoms of the plot and whatever they need to get to. But he's saying, don't understand. I am the big sexy, but DH, you've got a gravitational pull." an offensive lineman guy, very impressed by by DH's ability to, to get the ladies on his side. Always. Yeah.
0: Uh, this is just setting up perfect. And and the implication too, is just that DH is at the club, like literally every single night. I mean, that's, that's all we can take uh, away from this. And it also is like, there was just a shooting and you are tied up in a, a murder investigation. Maybe just lay low for just like the, 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 you know, littlest
1: amount of time, but he loves the club too much, man. Is it here's a question I had too. do you think it's the same club that he's at all the time or is it like a a lesser club I got I'm curious if he's jumping around or if he just has like his home base club that's a good question I mean I'm sure they're
0: shooting it at the same club and so therefore I don't think they are changing the set design
1: enough and so I'm going to assume that we are led to believe this is their same go to club. Okay, I like DH being a regular. The owner, Mr. Wilbanks, calls a new witness in the nightclub shooting uh, who is, in fact, the girl he was banging. DH was banging in the bathroom, not the owner, has emerged. And uh, Wilbanks implies that he is an idiot for not thinking. But DH still is lying to his friend, says that this is a girl who just wants to get her name in the papers and is going to be a key plot point throughout the episode. Pete, But I do feel like right away, DH's ability just to continue to lie at every possible turn is almost impressive, but really more sociopathic than anything. My favorite line here is when the friend is trying to
0: figure out why Will Banks, you know, wants to have him come in to talk to him and he goes, he's gonna make you sweat it out for hot in it. And I was like, you know, actually it might be about being involved with a murder investigation.
1: That that might actually be the reason why, and not you hot dogging it on the field. I think as football guys, we can agree, equal amounts of crime committed in both those <laughs> parts where you're you're not protecting the ball, you're committing a murder or uh, lying to police about a murder at a club. Same thing, I think, for football guys. Eric Olshik can't remember a girl at the club. But it's unclear if it's a girl, or I guess to me at this point, it was unclear if it's a girl that he banged before or just a girl that he met. And either way, the girl is also a plot device to reveal that Olshik's dad is, it, dad is interviewing for a job as a college defensive coordinator. And uh, this is a plot point, Pete, that also takes very depressing turns throughout the course of the show. But um, I did feel like the girl here. I think believable enough, but also very spastic in a way where she's not the kind of girl I feel like Olshik would naturally gravitate towards. I'm so glad you say plot device because every single
0: scene she's in feels so contrived all Mm. to just facilitate this, this scene with his dad Uh, to, and there was another really funny part of that when Olshik in the club with, uh, I don't believe this is how voicemails work, but he went to check his voicemail with no new voicemail. So no missed calls, nothing. He's like, maybe I'll just check my voicemail and there'll be something there despite not having any missed calls. I was like, what the hell?
1: It was like 2003 though. And I think at that point, that's when you like hold the one button to call your voicemail. And then maybe if you're like in a place where you don't get reception. So I think that could just be much like the non, uh, the complete lack of willingness to have a split backfield in the NFL. Like that's one of those things that probably just, just changed with the course of time oh uh, you're right you're right maybe maybe that was uh closer to reality than i'm giving them credit for and then dh is in a pimp hat being told that he committed a class three felony if he lied to protect his friend he's in Woolbanks's office Woolbanks has gotten him a top defense lawyer but dh doesn't think he needs one and um i think this is one where dh you know even if you're a guy i get dh is from the streets and all that he thinks that he can handle it himself and he does end up you know handling it himself so to his credit uh, i guess more power to him but i do feel like if somebody gives me a top defense lawyer and i'm in a situation like this like I'm going to generally accept it for the most part.
0: Yeah, that it, it is the other thing of, uh, okay. So the, the, the setup premise is you are involved in a murder investigation. And he goes, I don't need a lawyer. <laughs> that's, that's his yeah. immediate response. Normally, even some of these guys who are guilty, what's the first thing they say? They go, I need a lawyer because they know this <laughs> is their will. But DH right away says, I do not need a lawyer. And also going back to the hat thing, the, the way they shot that too, cause you immediately notice, Oh my God, this hat is so ridiculous, but they do like a zoom in as he takes it off at the meeting. Like they
1: really wanted you to know, Hey, check out this hat. DH is wearing right now. I do like though, that he's like going straight from the club to a meeting and he just keeps his pimp hat on. And I do feel like it's unquestionably to like, I, I feel like we say the word pimp hat and it might sound like an exaggeration that electric blue uh, hat with a bill was unquestionably from a pimp collection somewhere. I think I find it hard to believe uh, the press journey of Leon continues with his wife wanting to be in counseling. He doesn't want to do it. Olshik visits, notices the wife's hand. It says you look like you went a couple rounds with one of them lady boxers. Then he's just throwing punches around in the air for some reason, but eventually comes back around to feeling perturbed by her general depression and his domestic violence. Sixth sense is strong. And I feel like this is a spot here, obviously foreshadowing the end of the episode where things do uh, sort of move in that direction. But but Old I, you know, I do have to say, like, even though he's still kind of a lunkhead with throwing air punches in a spot where there might have been some domestic violence committed I, I do think that overall Olshik uh, very savvy and really one of the highest eq guys on the thing he knows everybody's emotions at any given time
0: i am just i'm just so over this leon domestic violence yeah. thing because we have now done the same scene four times right we had the initial one then we had it in front of the kids what happened the lie now we have it in front of Olshik again, and the kids describing the lie and what happened, then we're going to have it in front of the doctors again, like the same thing over and over. And I, I'm just, I wrote in my notes bags. I said, I'm exhausted. And I'm so tired of Leon and his wife in this plot line. I'm, I, I'm, I'm done with it, man.
1: It is one of those things where like, it is just kind of an endless quagmire and just kind of a downer. And uh, yeah, I agree. Like it's, I get what they're doing with it. It's going to, I think it's an important plot device for the next few or a plot point for the next few episodes, but it is something that uh, at this point is definitely worn out as welcome for me too. Um, but there's also family drama for Olchick. at Leon's behest. Olchik calls his mom uh, to tell his dad that he's leaving a ticket at the game for him. And mm-hmm. um, you know, Leon, even though not able to take care of his family, I do feel like it's nice to see him in and the absolute turmoil that he has still able to give quality advice to Olchik to move the ball Forward for him too
0: yeah and then it later in the episode when Olshik is kind of venting to Leon about what's going on with his dad and Leon can even can barely be bothered you know and this this friendship is just such a one-way street you know Olshik's always there to like listen as an active listener and the second Olshik has some problem Leon's like no nah, I just got to get out of here like
1: what, do you, what did you expect your dad to do just give him a ticket to the game and it'll be fine so I'm worried about this friendship man. I agree. It's definitely one that's a, very much a co-worker friendship where the second they are not on the same team or in the same city, they will probably not be uh, doing a lot together. But I'm with you. I do think Leon Leon definitely not acquitting himself the best on the show. Uh, D.H. is in his car talking about how Cal killing someone isn't good, but sending his friend to jail won't bring him back, which I would say right away a fair point for any murder, Pete.
0: Yeah. And also another one of these all time, uh, not self-aware DH quotes here. This is the voiceover, uh, Cal killed someone dot, dot, dot. I'm not saying it's okay. Dot, dot, dot. But sending someone to jail just isn't going to bring him back. I mean, just, you know, he goes, it what's done is done, man. He murdered him. Nothing's going to change. So why don't we just let him off the hook?
1: yeah I I get it and I I honestly I do I appreciate dh's very selfish ways to all these things or you know but he's also protecting his friend to some level though I think we learned it is more about protecting himself but I honestly I think if you're gonna go to a murder trial just be like hey look is is bringing me to jail gonna get this guy back and I think they might just go like you know what that's a good point you're (laughs) not guilty they'll let you off that moment um he wants the bathroom girl to lie to the cops about how she was gonna bang both him and cal and then she offers her 5k up front and then 5k after she goes to the police about it he's Swears that Cal is not the shooter, and, and the girls who are credit like she's going to take the money, but uh, she does uh, sort of care more about not being an accessory to an actual murderer. And then I, I guess I appreciate her flexibility on the subject. Ten K willing to talk about uh, having fictional threesomes with both D H and his Cal Cal.
0: I love how satisfied, uh self satisfied DH was for thinking of that alibi. He's like, What if you just said you were getting a, a two for uh two for with uh, me and Cal in the stall? Which and he like just him even thinking about it, he was like, Wow, th- that would actually been nice if we were doing that. Uh I, I just absolutely love that that's how
1: DH gets out of the murder, is with thinking about a threesome alibi. It's just too perfect. Yeah. I still think that based on them going back to there, like that definitely was a bathroom stall, I think, more than a private bathroom stall. So they easily could have said like, oh, he was just hanging out in the sink area. Like it was weird. He was talking to us or something or like he was just hanging out, you know, look, playing lookout. like there are a lot of pathways here for them to just have had a different line. And I get to like the threesome one probably not going to be a lot of follow up questions. So I guess maybe in that level, D.H. is playing 4D chess. But I still think there were other lies that maybe could have made her look less like a girl who likes to get a bang by two guys in a bathroom stall.
0: Yeah, that it's the whole thing. I mean, it would not be a stretch of the imagination to say one of my henchmen just is chilling, watching guard why I hook up with a girl in the stall like that would that would check out for me but
1: no he yeah. either has to be in there with a threesome or he was committing murder those are the only two options yeah I think that's you know honestly keep that in mind if ever anybody out there has any legal troubles just make sure to use the bathroom threesome defense that's uh, the surest pathway to getting around another guy on the team who we haven't met that we later learned is named Buck uh, tells Leon that quote unquote and at this point this is completely ambiguous and I feel like has no context at all unless I'm missing something but he tells Leon that Jules told them what happened um, and then we later learned that his Uh, Buck's wife who was told by Leon's wife and he says that he gets it and that women blow shit out of proportion and um, it was just a weird scene then Leon goes to the coach's office and Woolbanks is telling DH that the girl recanted her statement and the coach is going to bench Leon for DH to avoid the optics of looking uh, looking like he was going to be benched for the murder situation and um, I guess really my takeaway with that was that it seems like a split committee backfield would have helped out a lot again in this situation and also I don't like them introducing this character and expecting us to know a lot of things when there was no context given at all
0: Yeah, this is just another one of Leon's classic temper tantrums. I like how he has no concern about one of his teammates being involved in a murder investigation. He's just mad that he's not actually going to miss a game where he could get the full 20 touches to himself. I mean, it's just, it's really selfish behavior here by Leon
1: yeah and Leon still even when it comes from the good place of like DH blew that last game like unequivocally blew that last game it's still about benefiting Leon and it's just one of those dudes where Leon I felt like the first time I watched it was like oh Leon man sympathetic character and then just watching it again now it's like boy Leon you are just a fucking shithead at every turn Uh, we initially don't see a single second of the game but a post game speech tells us that that was the quote unquote best 60 minutes of the year and uh, DH's abused lineman guy gets the game ball for dominating the opposing teams all pro D lineman then we see some highlights of that then D DH also gets a game ball, which to me is not how game balls work. I think there's only one game ball to go around. But DH also gets a game ball for 120 yards on 19 carries and a TD. Another great fantasy day. And then coach yells, bring in the press, like a celebratory call (laughs) to arms. (laughs) This whole scene, Pete, I just feel like, Hey, like they play their best game. They don't show us anything. It's just also a ball about DH. The McConnell is, is the quarterback even a factor at all this week? He's in the scene. I think at the club, it doesn't do anything. It's just this show, man. <laughs> it's not a football show, really.
0: Dude. And I was like, okay, we're going to give the game ball to alignment again, because this show continues and absolutely refuses to acknowledge the existence of a pass catcher in the game of football. I mean, they, they, they were featuring kickers, linemen, anyone other than a wide receiver. Uh, I thought another thing that was funny was just Leon being fully dressed while everyone else was still in pads. I actually would have liked to have seen that scene of him just getting dressed while everyone else is uh is talking
1: over there. He is he is truly over it, man. He's he's checked out he's also got like he kind of dresses like the rock more than i feel like he should like the like the rock in like the 90s like where he's wearing the, op- like the open button like silk shirts and whatever and I, again Leona just a lot of unlikable things and he, he is no rock i'll say that uh dh talks to the media implies this is all a plot to bring a wealthy black man down and then the abused lineman bro uh, chimes in on dh's innocence to the media and again this lineman guy i feel like I guess out of all the characters, we could sort of talk about this maybe at the end of the show, but out of all the sympathetic characters, I feel like lineman guy, just the Stockholm syndrome. He goes through every time the, the yo-yoing back and forth where DH screws him over. And then he kind of wins him back. Then he screws him over. Like, it's so sad. I feel like he might be the most sympathetic character of the show to me.
0: Yeah. Also one of, one of the questions the reporters asked. So we, we literally just heard he rushed for 120 yards on 19 carries and a touchdown. And the first question the reporter asks is, would you say the incident was a distraction? Isn't that the question you ask if he flopped, but he just yeah. had a great game. So I think it's pretty clear. The incident was not a distraction for DH on the field
1: today. Yeah. And they had the best 60 minutes of the year, apparently according yeah. to the coach. So yeah, does, it does seem like an odd time to do it. I, I feel like you, she could have asked like, Hey, is that extra motivation for you? Maybe, but, I, I don't know. It, I agree. That is a bad reporting there. Maybe, honestly, maybe that's a sex reporter, and she's just she's just too busy trying to bang other athletes <laughs> to have the time to get her questions right. Uh, Olczyk finds that his dad never took the, ticket, uh, took the ticket for the game. The girl who Olchik didn't remember agrees to go get dinner with him in the same uh, process here. She's everywhere really at this point, and then she tells Olchik that his dad didn't get the job, but she does have Olchik call his boss to make the sales pitch for his dad because Olchik points out that his dad's defense is more complicated than I guess they thought it was, and and um, honestly, I do feel like all the history here, all the bad things with Olshik, he did the right thing here. Like he did a nice thing for his dad, a dad who clearly he has a lot of issues with. And and this girl, too, very convenient plot device as well, as well as a nice lady.
0: Yeah, th- this whole stuff with with Olshik and his dad, like they, they're really trying to. Basically, what happened is they introduced this, you know, with the PTSD stuff early on. Didn't revisit it at all. And now they're like, oh shit, we want to make you care about this relationship between Olshik and his dad. And we're going to have to do a ton of work, a a ton of heavy lifting in this episode to remind you and make you care. And uh, I'm not buying it.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I, I do think they made him sympathetic, even more sympathetic. Like, I feel like old chick, again, another one of those guys who would be in the sympathy rankings for me. But uh, it was, a, yeah, it was a weird situation. But either way, old chick having the pole is like a, a linebacker who doesn't seem like a star linebacker by any stretch. Like a nice, nice sign for him that he can get his dad hired there. Uh, Leon's son doesn't like that is that the mom is mad a lot lately. Whereas the other kid we see here, the che- Chekhov's toy plane. Flies we into wrote boat. the same thing, Dad. Chekhov's toy plane. <laughs> and it's like, it was so obvious the way that it was just dad there I'm like oh this fucking kid's gonna do something stupid Leon's having a heart to heart with one kid which also just seems kind of rude and then the first son who to me also looks like the older son so I find that confusing too he fell off a ledge and like broke his arm or hand it looked like trying to get the plane and and just one of those things for Leon where again just goes bad to worse and and this one I feel like maybe our other the other situation uh, we talk about more later in the episode but this one clearly not Leon's fault I feel like a little bad for Leon relative I guess as bad as you can feel for Leon given what a shithead he has normally normally and this is
0: another thing with the writers it's funny to work backwards and so they wrote down all right we want it to uh the implication to be that leon also beat his son and then it all starts with a paper plane getting thrown into the other yard and we do this full close-up on this and there's no context for about two minutes like normally the checkoffs thing like you let it breathe a little bit you know come back to it right away but it was like shit we know everyone is so confused why we showed this quick quick we got to tell them why within
1: one minute <laughs> yeah they, they definitely know there's the attention span not the best here and I, I think too like that it also ties into the lazy writing where it's like oh like an athlete like oh, this athlete we don't know how he heard from his wife or whatever we don't even know who this guy is or who the wife is we don't know who jules is The people will get like oh somebody knows and that's like enough for them like i think they just assume that people are just like yeah kid falls off a ledge get, get in a plane like that's yeah, enough to get there so uh kudos to the writers here really doing the bare men <laughs> every possible spot um we do have a uh, chat here from lou pointing out was also yeah. not expecting his dad when the girl came over the candles were funny um so no i this is what i thought it was the dad showed up unannounced which is just, you know their relationship because he got the new defensive coordinator job and i guess the dad uh, i think this is sort of me reading the tea leaves of the motivation and all that but i think the dad didn't want to be seen unless he had the job because he was ashamed of being fired and and clearly was lying about that um as he does in the scene here lies about leaving his old job olshik offers him left over Chinese because he has dinner with the girlfriend. And I thought that the logical assumption was that, yeah, let's just all get dinner together. And then that ends up happening, Pete. And we, I don't want to get to that full part yet, but, um, the dad's showing up unannounced like weird move, but it's a weird relationship. So I'm kind of willing to allow it. Yeah. I got
0: the same implication that he was cleaning up for the girl to come over yeah. and then the the dad surprised him. And, uh, I mean, yeah, then I, yeah, we're going to talk about it in a sec, but them just going to dinner Uh, it's just like who starts dating a girl that you just met at a bar and like two days later, you're going out to dinner with your estranged dad where you just have a back history of a a broken relationship. It's just such a wild,
1: wild setup for a date. I would agree. I mean, I, he didn't know it was coming. Like she was just coming over with wine. Didn't know the dad was going to be there. He's clearly just trying to make the best of it. So I do get it. <laughs> I think that's one of the situations though. If your dad shows up unannounced and you do have a date, like I guess you just got to merge those two things together. because it, <laughs> it is your dad. Even if your dad did result in your brother's death, like that's just one of those things you got to do just for good manners. Uh, yeah. Also another food thing. I didn't want to pass over. Uh, I also love
0: Leon's other kid, uh, saying mom's making casserole, but I want pizza tonight.
1: I thought that was a great line. <laughs> I look. like the kid knows the the right strings to pull, and I would agree. Casserole clearly, uh, far distant behind pizza. So good for him. And <laughs> and, you know.
0: and that other the same kid. There's this shot when they're in the hospital, you know, and his brother is getting looked at, and he is blowing up one of the surgical gloves, so it looks like <laughs> a balloon. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "That's
1: actually good, good screen directing." There, he's just having a good time, which is, yeah. <laughs> which honestly, we need in the show. That's cripplingly depressing, including the scene where the doctors eye up Leon, the boy's injury, and the mom's injured arm and mouth. And it's starting to look a lot like a domestic, viol- a domestic violence situation. And um, I will jump back to that in a second. But chick back to his dinner because again, this is what playmakers does. We're just all over the place, jumping from scene to scene. Olchik has dinner with the girl and his dad, and they're having a great time until the dad refers to the nickname of Little O that Olchik had, and then the girl assumes that Big O must have been the dad and no it is in fact Olshik's dead brother Greg uh, who died because the dad uh, basically coached him up while he was dying of heat stroke so tough situation uh, the dad then somehow finds out that Olshik called the AD on his behalf because of this girl so this girl's helping and hurting equally and then that the girl also works with him and he's somehow offended or hurt and then Olshik chases after the dad the dad won't talk to him and says there's nothing to talk about as Olshik wants to talk so Pete a lot of process in this scene but definitely a scene that uh, I feel like The girl made some mistakes here, but the dad's just so prideful. And I get that's the thing of it all. He's a football coach. Football guys are prideful. It's kind of the lesson of the show. I feel like more than anything, but the dad's just uh, the ego on him. You're fired, man. you got a college job. You're a college DC. Like, just be happy with whatever the gift horse gave you.
0: Yeah. Also the girl though, in this scene is just like absolutely ridiculous. Like she, you know, she's asking about what happened, um, you know, with the back history there and she can tell she's like, you know, poking in a, in a sensitive subject. And she's like, she stops herself and says, sorry. And then she goes, what, what happened though? How did you die? <laughs> it's like, okay, like maybe just don't ask that in front of them as a sore subject. Also, when Olshik says that I'm now an only child, Greg died, like no, you're still an only child even if you're died, dead, you were like, you're not an, or sorry, you're not an only child. I thought that was such a funny way for him to say, I'm now an only child.
1: Yeah. I don't think that's something that you'd say, but I guess given the dad's history and willing, lack of willingness to accept accountability, like maybe he's doing that as some sort of subconscious dig. I don't want to get to the therapy of Volshik enough, but um, I do feel like, yeah, I don't know. It is weird. The whole situation is weird. And this girl's, I think the girl too, like I could sort of buy her being nosy because she's just so weird throughout the rest of the show too, where like the remembrance. Like oh do you remember me and then the other stuff with it too that like she just kind of seems like like a little on the spectrum maybe just not not getting how human contact works as much so i I think to me that that's i'm willing to allow her having no senses for that one But the dad refuses to back off his lie of being courted even though he got the job he doesn't want to face any bad things that was another weird one where the dad insists that he's being put up in the hilton and insists that he's being flown around it's just like like clearly the guy knows like at a certain point you just drop the facade I
0: mean, am I like my level, like I actually found myself quote unquote, caring about the DH plot and the murder, like it's relatively engaging, but I just could give zero shits about this dad and his trying to get the job and the contrived getting the girlfriend in there to facilitate this conversation. It, It just seems so lazy
1: yeah I would agree and then Olshik says you already lost one son you just lost another which is real, <laughs> it's a real fucking stinging and barb and then the <laughs> dad like that hits home with the dad because I guess the dad only relates to, to the emotional violence that was thrown there and then the dad like takes two steps towards Olshik and then can't uh, and then sees a cab coming I guess really if the cab didn't come maybe he would have walked towards him but then he decides to take the cab instead and then they also weirdly zoom in on Olshik only wearing socks outside and his feet are wet in the rain I was <laughs> like that's a weird way to end the scene It's just like oh yeah, old chick also has wet feet. But um, I don't know, just, just another downer scene. This this to me really like, you know, f- sad situations with families. I don't know, it just got to be more. I'm just like, God, just everything here is just really fucking depressing. I know because it used to just be like Leon arguing
0: with his wife was like the one main downer. And now it's like every plot is just this super
1: depressing. Everyone's hitting their rock bottom now. Yeah. And then a bat we're back at DAC beginning of rock bottom back at DHS preferred club, or I guess it's the same club. Cal confesses to killing the guy to the Stockholm syndrome lineman and says that he's always accused of things that he didn't do. Like, I would say, first of all, this is not how criminal conspiracy works, where you got through. You don't start telling everybody like, hey, by the way, D.H. lied for me and we really got away with this one. But also, like if he's always accused of things he didn't do, this is what he did do. So I don't know if he thought this is some sort of make good situation, but he was like way too proud bragging about this one to the lineman guy. And I just don't like Cal, a hardened street criminal. I feel like you don't talk that much when you're a guy like Cal yeah no uh
0: i'm starting to think that uh dh isn't hanging out with the the smartest of acquaintances (laughs) here uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> these guys can't tell if they, uh, if they're happy about it, if they're mad, if they want to run, if they want to be framed, if someone else should be framed, it's, it's truly a mess. They need to just go back to playing video games. I think
1: that's true. Yeah. Ever since that console left the house, things have been downhill. <laughs> lineman guy is not happy about the situation. He confronts DH. Doesn't know how DH can live with himself. Then DH tells Cal to maybe stop bragging about covering for him. He <laughs> wants Cal to turn himself in because ESPN's covering it as though DH is involved like, I DH very inconsistent here. Like now is the time you're going to turn. I get everything's adding up here. People still think he did it and all that. But I, 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 the show just doesn't make sense. The human logic to it all. Sometimes like I like the show still, it's enjoyable. It's clearly a fucking clusterfuck most weeks, but I just like, what is going on with DH? (laughs) It, it's almost like he
0: just wants to be contrarian in every single situation. So there's no consistency. Like with Will Banks, he's like Cal, Cal kid someone who cares? Like, I don't need a lawyer. And then he's over with these guys being like, no, you got to lie for me. You got to do that. I think he just likes arguing with everybody. He's just a problem
1: child. He just loves the drama. Just classic yeah. reality TV. DH uh, Cal brings up some situation too. This is an ambiguous one, but brings up a situation where DH paid off a girl two years ago for some sort of violent, but not a worthy situation. And, I don't know what that was either. I, I don't know if that's foreshadowing for a girl. Maybe we're going to see coming up in the next uh, couple scenes, but it does feel like DH, uh, not only disreputable in terms of as a source for criminal investigations, but I guess also doing some shady things. I feel like it might just be like a, a baby out of wedlock or something, but if Cal's bringing that up, that doesn't really make sense either.
0: No, it, uh, it absolutely doesn't. And then wait, was this
1: the scene with the girl or did that come later? Oh, did I, um, uh, I might've skipped that somewhere in here. Uh, let's oh, see. No. Yeah. Cause yeah, it must've been before. Wait, no. Hmm. Okay, over. yeah, which she's like walking on the street, right? And he,
0: or am I was, thinking we, of- we
1: had that one, but then there's the other one where they're at the club. They're and then at the they club were-
0: and he does the vodka shot in like the middle of the day, presumably.
1: Yeah, I thought I wrote this down. It I must've been earlier, but yeah. So that at some point then DH is doing shots at the club. The girl gives the money back and they've arrested the other guy. And she's like, she's so relieved that she didn't uh didn't quit or didn't get an innocent man in jail like Cal that she gives the money back. And I gotta say for her though, like that was a nice move to give the money back. I still would have kept the money, honestly.
0: Yeah, I think uh, it was like, oh, no, my moral compass is the only uh, price that I need to be uh, (laughs) paid. So yeah, she, she definitely should have taken that money.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, but either way, yeah, she felt good about herself. And I guess we're probably done with her as a, as a plot point as well. Uh, we're back at the hospital, Family services is asking more questions about Leon's son injury and brings up the wife too. The wife and kids want to head home. Social worker lady won't let them, threatens to call the police. Uh, then she interviews the wife who's doing this under some degree of duress. The wife tells the story as it did happen. And and I would say, based on previous things we talked about, she points out that she hit him first and that he was grabbed in and accidentally fell during the situation. Says it's a family matter, though. Social worker lady's going to file a report internally and offers her card which the wife declines and leaves then leon confronts the wife about the situation about talking about the situation and has uh, on a show where one man talked about his dad and and is murdering the son and basically had a really vicious quote this one from leon all people are going to remember about me is that i abused my wife all people are going to remember about you is that you're a victim like that's fucking that's the michael corleone shit i did not like that one bit for leon yeah we're
0: we're starting to see here that uh There's a pattern with the running backs on the Cougars here and that they are incapable of thinking about anything uh, other than themselves. They do not care one single shit about anyone else in their life
1: yeah i would agree and i just i think too the thing that really stuck out for me is that like he could have just been like hey like i know you told them like i'm like i'm sorry like we got like he could have been heartfelt he could have done this a million different ways and instead he handled it the one possible way that's only going to ratchet her up further and make this a bigger deal and it's just like leon is such a self-saboteur that like I, it's it's just frustrating. Like, it's just frustrating. And he just, I want I, I don't think Leon's a good guy, but I don't think he's as bad of a guy as these situations. He continues to put himself in lead me to believe it's like that meme too, uh, the one where it's like, you know,
0: men will do XXX uh, except go to therapy. It's like Leon. He's like, I'll do anything to save my marriage except going to therapy the one thing you asked me to do to save
1: my marriage it's just like so absurd that is that is a fair point and one maybe to keep in mind for all of us out there when we when our, our girlfriend or wives accidentally fly down flights of stairs or just in general I'd say probably better Olshik is that Gino's a steak place that he mentioned to his dad and trying to bridge the gap with steak that he did just eat dinner which I felt like a kind of a classic football guy thing we attack a steak and some beers onto that the dad never comes though because he sucks and apparently then the date girl was waiting at his house the whole time and she's a about to leave the second he gets back but old chick i guess picks up on the sign that oh she was waiting for several hours in my empty home while i was waiting for my father at a bar and then realizes that she probably wants to bang but he does have a nice daddy issues hug first <laughs> so, like this whole scene was and then for some reason he's like putting his finger in her mouth in the sex scene <laughs> it's like what is going on
0: yeah, that I, I was just done with that plot at that point. The uh, yeah, the kind of like flash, like they were envisioning if they were going to have sex. Right. But it was actually just he was giving her a hug. Is that how? No, uh, no, they had, really- the okay, they had sex. The hug, the sex. They shot it like their similar kind of, you know, imagination flashback type thing, you know, where yeah. they're like bouncing around the apartment. So I can never tell what these what
1: these guys are doing here. Yeah, no, I think they were firmly, they went from the hug to having sex. And that's why, like, she was hanging out. Like, what other reason, you know, not not to read too much of the intentions of of the ladies, too, but like, what other reason would you be waiting at an apartment for three hours while the guy goes to a bar? Like, he drank like six beers at the bar. So he was clearly there for (laughs) at least a little bit, like, waiting for the dad. Like, she was clearly waiting to get banged. Like, I mean, there's no, you don't don't hang out for that just to give the man a hug and leave. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why she just
0: didn't keep going on these dinners with the dad. The first one went so well, she should have gone to the steakhouse, and then they could have came
1: back after dinner. Yeah, I agree. Like, I maybe she could have just sat in another part of the bar and then given them some <laughs> space or just asked awkward questions if the dad did come. But uh, that's neither here nor there. DH is watching news stories about the accused club murderer getting arrested. And he smokes crack to either, I would say, celebrate or commiserate. Hard to tell which.
0: Yeah, I know. Every time that he's doing it, it's like we've seen him use crack in so many different situations as an escape because he's depressed, because he's celebrating and partying. Uh, he really turns to crack and basically
1: every kind of emotion that strikes him. It's almost like he's addicted to crack. One could say, (laughs) I I would say that might be (laughs) the case. Leon's wife at the end of the episode, then calls Oshik to tell her to reference the earlier conversation they had. And he, she tells him that she's not fine. And then we end the episode and, Again, if Leon just hadn't given the Michael Corleone speech to her, I do think that yeah, this all kind of blows over and Leon can maybe start to move on with his life. And instead, now, clearly, old chick is going to be the one and have a moral conundrum to uh, whether he rats out his friend or not. And I have to I think he's going to err on the side of ratting out uh, his, his work friend.
0: Yeah, I mean... Leon has basically been begging his wife to turn him in for this. She's given him about six different chances to make it right, to move on. And uh, Leon just absolutely refuses. He is going to self-sabotage him here. And uh, I I agree. I think
1: Olshik's going to rout him out yeah so that's that's how we end it we'll, we'll episode five coming up next week we got some awards to give out for the episode now who has the most fantasy upside i like i feel like we should have to give this a dh every week he's got great results he's putting up fantastic numbers no matter what situation even when he's fumbling he's still having mostly good days so it's dh but also i'm intrigued by who buck was the guy who told leon about his wife mentioning the domestic violence thing like Maybe that guy's a wide receiver. I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm intrigued by him, but it's clearly DH.
0: Yeah, it, it's I mean, this segment is or this question or award is is silly. It's just DH every week. He's the only one we at least we got another stat line for him. We know he's getting these 20 touches a game just continues to
1: crush efficiency knows for the end zone. I mean, he's a plug and play running back. Yeah, he's working it out. Most unrealistic moment of the episode. Um, I honestly the girl giving the money back <laughs> I think probably has to be it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, with with playmakers, you there's a case
0: for like 10 moments. One that I didn't mention that I will put for this. So they call uh DH at the club. It's like one in the morning. Will Banks is in a tuxedo from like some some event and they all decide to rendezvous at some boardroom at the you know teams' facilities at like 1 a.m. to have this conversation. That that's not happening in real life.
1: I agree. You know, honestly, the Banks, I got to respect keeping the tux on. I would at least loosen the tie. But no, he's he's all about business. That's why he's an NFL owner. And I'm just here uh, doing this every day. Moment that made the NFL most mad. I'm going to say DH paying people to lie and generally setting up a criminal conspiracy. I feel like for them, probably not big fans of that generally.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I would say it's just the usual stuff. Domestic violence and crack. Uh, are the things that are going to make the NFL most bad. So I think they're saying like, can we wrap up domestic violence plotline? I mean, I'm begging you. And Playmaker says,
1: hold my beer. It's actually going to be the cliffhanger for this episode the moment that makes the NFL most happy, I think given the game ball to the offensive lineman, I feel like they're they're excited to see him doing great protection of the QB excited to see him doing that. I feel like it's either that or the moment where Leon greets the guy Buck, who's about to tell him about the domestic violence thing. And they're just exchanging a really long high five where it's like three high fives and one. I feel like it's one of those two things. But besides that, I don't think a lot that's going to make the NFL very happier.
0: Yeah, no, I I don't think so either. Um, Happiest scene. Goodness. Uh, I think I think maybe just again, Olshik, uh lending his ear to Leon, you know, just this idea of teammates bonding all the all the players at the club together, too. I mean, I think that actually, you know, most of these guys, it's just a couple of them. But to have the whole team there,
1: I think would I think that would bring a tear to Roger Goodell's eyes. Actually, thinking about it now, if they all went to the same club and this is a club that DH was just a part of a shooting at, that's an outrageous move
0: yes it again it makes zero sense that they would all be back there like that would you would think they would be absolutely blackballed uh to
1: going there (laughs) Instead, the club's like yeah come on back oh you didn't shoot that guy no big deal we love your money so please keep coming asshole the episode olshig's dad i think and leon's always in the hunt here but we don't get enough olshig's dad this is too prideful like you know leon's generally gonna be a shithead every week olshig's dad though i think a special brand of asshole this week so to me he would be the asshole of the episode
0: I'm going way off the board for asshole of the episode. Another moment uh, I wanted to mention earlier, doctor walks in just so happy with himself. for This joke says, congratulations, you broke your arm. Uh, he just thought that was just like such a funny joke. Uh, and I, that, that kind of like, I'm the fun smarmy doctor thing, total asshole move. He's my asshole of the episode. <laughs>
1: All right, I I like it. I like you going off the board of that. Cool. Cool cool bro moment of the episode. I guess probably not going to be that doctor. Um, Cool bro moment. I'm going to say, man, that's there. I I feel like it's probably the lineman just popping up DH, chiming in with the media. Nobody asked him to, to give his support for DH. And instead, now he's going to look uh guilty by association because of that situation. Another bad one for him. But again, he just continues to be a nice guy. Other than that one time he tore up the entire locker room and broke everything. So I feel like the offensive lineman probably, I'll be always the cool bro, but I think this one especially he is the cool bro moment. I think the cool bro moment has to go to
0: DH when he thinks of his uh, threesome alibi. like, what if you just tell him you were eating a twofer in there with uh, with me and Cal? Uh, that was that was a very cool bro moment for me.
1: You know, that's fair. I think also uh, secondary honorable mentioned cool bro moment. That kid getting pizza instead of casserole. I feel like that was that was Leon being a cool bro for one time. Uh, though honestly, did he even get the pizza because they went to the hospital? Maybe not. That kid might have gotten screwed.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not sure about it. I mean, they got to
1: imagine they're getting that kid pizza after all they've been through. I, I hope so. Teammate bonding of the episode, I, I guess then the offensive lineman lying for DH and uh, it, to me, it all comes back to the offensive lineman. And I guess maybe to the whatever the guy Buck was, whether he was a wide receiver, or defensive back um, him telling Leon about like, oh, yeah, like, don't worry. I know about your domestic violence. It's OK. Women be making shit or whatever the fuck he said. He said it in some way that was like, OK, Buck, we, we get where you're coming from. I feel like that's probably nice teammate bonding, not NFL-friendly teammate bonding, but I feel like, hey, I'm there for you in your times where maybe you committed a domestic violence situation. That's that's quality teammate support.
0: Yeah, I mean, as we said, being at the club all together, pretty good bonding, but yeah. I would say just in the locker room. They finally got the win. Everyone's happy. We got two different game balls here, uh, the offensive line and-, and DH getting it here. Uh, I thought the bonding was pretty strong there. They needed some win in their sails for this postseason push.
1: Best Actor Award for the episode, I think, and I know this is going to be controversial because I don't know if he actually is a good actor, but I do think old plays like the abused puppy dog. Like, even though like I'm a big tough guy, but also like I'm going through a tough time and like I'm vulnerable and I'm willing to be vulnerable. And I'm also willing to like act upon these things I'm getting from therapy and all that. I just feel like the, the actor doing this stuff. Like, I think he's doing the best he can with the work, even when he's in scenes with like the girl who's just, you know, to me, just all over the place and kind of spastic and whatever. And i think ending playing that character. Well, but certainly that could have also just been her being a bad actress. But to me, got to do a lot in this episode so i think for him he's got to be the best actor i'll say the family services lady uh i thought she played
0: that <laughs> She was a hard one. ass yeah she was a hard <laughs> ass and it was like she even kind of could deep down know that like the wife one was real and the kid one was an accident but she really wanted to use it to turn the screws on him to kind of get him for the the domestic violence thing so yeah i, I thought that was a believable scene there and i was like oh yeah you're fucked man
1: worst actor award this is one that really could go to a lot of different people on this episode and i think the one that would be it for me i feel like it's Cal just because i don't buy him like he does he does play like a street tough well but i just feel like the way they wrote him it's like ah, this guy's just unbelievable for what this guy would be doing. So I think it's him for me. And maybe the dad though, the dad is one of those performances that I feel like Olshik's dad, where I feel like that could be a bad one. That could be a good one. It's really up to, I think what your interpretation is.
0: Yeah. I'm going to go with the date girl in Olshik's life. And part of it isn't her fault because every bit of dialogue she had was a plot contrivance to like move that part of the story along so she didn't have anything well to work with but every line she said was just so painful and made no sense in the context of uh, of the show scene that wouldn't be on tv today
1: i think it would be dh paying the girl to say that she had a threesome or was about to have one because i feel like there'd be one where they're like no like we can't like make the woman look like this like we can't like even though like it's clearly still not great then like i feel like that's when the writers would be like we got to go a different direction with this one if she's gonna lie about it like whatever but i feel like that's when they would be like i think she would have more objection as like a woman in 2021 i think and that to me would be the part that doesn't make the cut
0: yeah, this one it's just like it's the same stuff where it's like I don't I don't even think anything wouldn't actually make it on TV today. Um it this more falls in line of like what would make the NFL the most mad. I will say just I'll say DH's line about uh, I know Cal killed someone,
1: uh, but sending him to jail isn't going to bring the dead guy back. Uh, I'll say that would not make it on TV. Also, the, the most literal interpretation of this two could just be old chick dialing one to get his voicemails. <laughs> like, that wouldn't be on TV. because so you'll be like, True. what kind of phone does this man have? And the playmaker of the episode here... I I guess has to be Leon's wife. She's making the big play at the end. She's uh, clearly not doing getting the results in the football field. We covered that. She didn't put that. She didn't get up the thousands of yard seasons to buy that house, but she is still in this episode, uh, clearly driving the plot, clearly going to be driving the plot moving forward. So I think just relative to the show, she is the playmaker of the episode.
0: Yeah, I think that is a is a good candidate. I'll, I'll just give DH, you know, I gave him most fantasy upside. I mean, he's the backbone of this show. He's moving and shaking and, and every scene and uh, not caring about murder, caring about murder, uh, trying to frame other people, trying to get his friends cleared. Uh, he made a lot of
1: stuff happen this episode. Also worm in the chat saying my, the friend saying that better him, not me is the a-hole of the app for him. I, I get that, but also like relative to what Cal has done already in terms of the actual murder and generally just being kind of a dick. I feel like like that's the most in character for him where I, I wouldn't give him any special treatment for that one. That's just normal Cal. That's just Cal being Cal. Yeah. Uh, that is it. The Cal experience
0: is great. And also, Going back to, it wasn't just uh, DH who had the nice hat. It seemed like every shot of a dude in the club had some kind of version of a top
1: hat on in there. So I appreciated all the style yeah the pimp hat will forever live on we should have an episode of the show where we just wear pimp hats and don't even acknowledge them i think would be the one thing to take away from playmakers but that is episode four the, cho- the choice part two uh next week what is what is playmakers episode episode five's title so i can at least promote properly we'll be doing episode five obviously we got a few more left in this run actually how many episodes do we even have left would be my other question um and something i probably should have known before I, I deciding on looked, doing this
0: i actually looked the other day and i was shocked how many more episodes there were to go i thought this was like a six seven episode i want to say there were 12 or 13 episodes
1: it looks like there's 11 so we're we're good on 11 so yeah so but definitely more than 10 and episode six is going to actually no uh, episode five is up next halftime will be the one we'll drop the links on social we'll drop in the description as well and again to catch up with all the episodes we've done on playmakers if you would like to on the splash play youtube channel there's a playlist on there with just those episodes you can go and skim through them all and and watch along with us as well pete what are the plugs for you i'm sure you're you're learning how to play backgammon this week or something on Online. What are you doing?
0: Yeah, I have my. um, I'm launching a new stream where I play Twister. uh, (laughs) That is uh, coming up. No, but to your joke, I am getting a chess lesson again later today at 5 p.m. Uh, So that will be fun if you guys want to come tilt because. I have not gotten much better despite multiple chess lessons, despite playing a lot, that'll be at five. And uh, yeah, then I'm going to take it easy this weekend. I did actually on my YouTube. I, I made a graphic for all my show schedule. Uh, I'm trying to, to be more clear with my uh, promotions and everything. So you can check that out on the, uh, the community tab of my YouTube channel.
1: I'm excited to learn by proxy from you because I feel like you doing all this stuff will help prepare me if I ever want to make a, a YouTube channel better. I feel like I, it's going to be fun just to be like, hear about you, talk about every week. I'll be like, oh, I remember when Pete said that. And then just seal all the wisdom that you've learned along the way. Yeah, I am. Uh, it's trial by error.
0: I'm breaking things, <laughs> fixing it. Uh, I, as I've said, on when I talked to Davis, I mean, the YouTube algorithm just has no clue what to do with my channel. They are very confused by it.
1: Yeah, but you know, that's the beauty of Pete's channel. So make sure you are subscribed to the Peter Overs at, uh, sub- YouTube channel. Make sure you're subscribed to the Splash Play channel as well. Go follow at Splash Play Pod. And of course, follow at Peter Overs and Chris Bags. We appreciate all you guys for watching the show. And we'll see you guys again next week. So bye.